Welcome to the Hula Hoop channel. This is Deborah Cohen, and I'm so glad you're here in the beautiful Georgia month of October 2021. And October, in case you did not know it, is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we're going to talk to a very special guest today who is somebody that has a powerful testimony to share. So let me introduce her melinda and i should have asked you how to say your name before. that's that's okay that's all right it's kunst okay thank you yes yes we want to say it right don't we yeah. well i've heard all kinds of colorful ways of saying it that's okay <laughs> okay well she picked up a hoop a hula hoop we're talking about a few years ago and gave it a spin around her waist but with life's up and down it resulted in her hula hoop sitting in her closet for a while. Okay, well, so let's fast forward to July this year when she rediscovered hula hooping after watching a beautiful presentation by Hidayah Barbell of the Goddess Glow Up Movement. And if you're interested in that goddess, you can check her out on YouTube. So Melinda was mesmerized by her grace and flow the magic word flow so she dug into her closet dusted off her hoop and became enchanted by this sacred circle she found healing from her past that was filled with trauma and i can relate to that inside this wheel she is able to find creativity confidence and empowerment yay yes. melinda shares her passion with others as a source of self-love, fitness, and solace. So let us welcome from Morocco, Indiana, Melinda Kunst. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and thank you so much for having me. And I love the women you've brought on. It is just beautiful. And watching your own, I'm going to give you a little bit of love here because you are actually the first hooper after my, my beautiful presentation that I was able to participate in and uh, get reunited, reconnected with hooping. But you are actually the first person I watched on YouTube sharing your journey and i went ahead and i stalked you for a little bit on youtube there watching your journey from the beginning to fast forward to now thank you thank you for wow. keeping me i you know i just love to watch those baby steps as you picked up that hoop and to now it's just been a remarkable transformation so i just want to give you a little bit of love and thank you for that thank you thank wow. you thank you I, I, I thank you very much for that uh, praise. And we have somebody watching from Budapest who has actually Hello. been a guest on this show before, Miss Kay Hoop. So how about that? Oh, and I've watched Miss Kay. So awesome. <laughs> We're so glad. You know, I really have mixed feelings about um, going on to another uh, point in my life where I think you referenced it about stepping away for self-care and uh, my last broadcast for the Hula Hoop channel will be October 17th. But I'm so glad that you're here today. And isn't it impeccable the timing that it happens to be domestic <laughs> awareness, violence, my, this, and you're here. And uh, so why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about uh, how you uh, began anything you want to share 
I'm sure whatever you say is going to be of value to our listeners. Oh, well, thank you so very much. Well, actually, my story begins long ago. I'm a childhood abuse survivor, grew up in abuse. So when I fell into meeting my abuser that I later married as a teenager, it was all normal. All of his behavior was something that was normal. Um, I didn't know any different. So when the trauma and the abuse, even though something inside of me said it was wrong, I knew um, I didn't know any better. I knew I, I just kind of brushed off that instinct that something wasn't right. Yeah. And here we here there I am back in 2007. I left him twice. And then in 2009, I left him for good. We did have and do have three beautiful children, now adults, out of that union. But there was a heap of healing that I needed to do uh, emotionally, physically. And I still heal. I'm still battling a lot of that love-hate image with myself, that physical image with myself. And it's been very, very humbling, the journey. It really has. And for me, it was a God thing. He kind of prompted me. He'd have these wonderful divine appointments where people would stop me that I never met, strangers. They would stop me in the grocery store and they're like, I don't know why I'm telling you my life story, but I'm an abuse survivor and I just felt I needed to share this with you. This is very, very surreal. And, you know, I finally relented and said and surrendered and said, okay, God, I will do this. And here I am. Here I am sharing. I've gone on to do blogs, go live on interviews. I was very honored to be on the cover of a local magazine last year. I do volunteer my time at a shelter that I was a resident at. Um, actually, COVID kind of threw that off last year and this year, but I hope to dig into that again. But I share just to raise the awareness, to educate and inspire others so they can know that no matter what type of abuse you're experiencing, it is still abuse, whether it's a name calling thing or it is something that's heightened to physical violence, that it is all still abuse, no matter how you look at it. And it's every age, every part of the world, every racial makeup does experience some form or all forms of abuse. Yeah, you know, and uh, I want to commend you for the courage to heal. Uh, it, it is very vulnerable to make yourself public when you're going through this transition. And I myself personally know that. And what you had just said about you, there was something inside of you that sort of you told you it was wrong to marry the abuser. And, you know, I've had that same feeling when I got married. Uh, the first time the marriage ended up getting annulled, but my mother, even though she was abusive, the day of my wedding, she looked at my face and she said, you don't have to go through with this. And I'm like, "It's yes, I do. It's, it's too late. Everybody's here for the wedding. I just, you know, so it was one of those things where you don't, listen to yourself anymore because of some kind of a disconnect. I mean, with me, it was because I was abused as a child in several ways. And you learn not to trust yourself. And mm -hmm. so, so is that what you're talking about when you went ahead and did the green light for this marriage when you just knew in your heart of hearts it wasn't right? Why do we not listen to that voice inside? 
Oh, you hit it, the nail on the head there by saying we don't trust ourselves. We don't. We don't. And, you know, when you, if no one or somebody out there has never been in an abusive situation, well, praise God. I think that's wonderful. Um, but it is very hard to leave. It doesn't happen right away. This person, man or woman, whoever's abusing you is going to start off very slow. They kind of do what they call grooming. They're very nice to you. They are like the perfect person. And they just are able to swoon or woo their way in very slowly. But I didn't listen to that gut instinct. I didn't. One, because I, like you, everybody's here at the wedding. Everybody's here at church. Uh, you know, we put all this money into it. And then, but there was also, most importantly, there was a threat for me. It was a threat of my life. And he threatened to harm my children, excuse me, my family at that time. And uh, if I didn't go through with it, he would kill them. So for me, in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I want my family safe. I'm just going to do this. And I, you know, I had this, I, I felt like throwing up in my shoes. I didn't want to do this. I was waiting for someone, <laughs> a knight on a white horse to come through or someone to stand up at that critical moment when they say, Hey, does there anybody object? I was waiting for that and it didn't happen. And it was very disheartening. And um, then I felt like I was stuck even more. Mm -hmm. I, I, I understand that. And, you know, I wonder, if empathy comes from having to stuff so much feeling inside you learn to read people who aren't honest with you and you you can kind of pick up on people's vibes more than the ordinary soul it seems it be uh, i don't know how we become empathic i assume that you are to a degree mm -hmm. it seems yes. like we have this kind of sensitivity when we go through the healing process, we're left with these things that we deal with for the rest of our life, but we, we have this ability to be able to feel somebody else's pain. And not everybody can do that. And it's to the point with me where it provokes anxiety when I feel it in somebody else or I feel their depression and it makes me want to isolate myself from other people that are hurting because I don't want to pick up their baggage. <laughs> so like, how do you protect yourself when you are in the healing process yourself and you're aware and sensitive, which it seems like a lot of people just aren't sensitive. To, it's all about me, 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 I, me, mine. So when right. you meet somebody that's hurting they're sensitive in a different way to the wounding when you've gone to the healing you're sensitive to others that are hurting but how do you have those healthy boundaries so you don't absorb their stuff you know i'm really woo so i have found a lot of energetic ways a lot of prayer and uh, thinking of like myself in a bubble when I'm in like the mall, I don't like going to the mall, but um, I'll think of myself in a bubble. I'll ask for prayers before I go into a location, you know, please protect me, surround me, hedge of protection, whatever I need, especially if I know I'm going into a situation that is maybe chaotic, a parade or something like that. And I don't know why that is. I don't know why there a lot of victims or survivors are empathic. I, I don't know what that is, but a lot of us are. 
And I've learned how to zip up. Literally, it's like you're zipping up a coat. This is something I just learned. You can pretend like you're zipping up a coat and run it right from your tummy all the way up when you know you're going to be in maybe a circle of a large group of people when you are going to be dealing with somebody that is uh, in a trauma situation. And that's what I do. I ask God to just to, to shield me, to help me. I might take an Epsom salt bath or a salt bath afterwards. I might ground myself afterwards. I might journal or do something uplifting for me because you can take in that energy and you might feel yucky afterwards you might feel angry. It might bubble up some old trauma from your past. So definitely making sure I have that self-care has been so important. And I had to learn this. I really did. There was a lot of tears in, my, in the very baby stages of my journey when I had victims and survivors coming forward. It was very, it was really hard. I had my husband, his name is Terry, but I call him Mr. Awesome. He would literally take me aside and say, look, you need to get off the phone with this woman because I, you're crying now. You're upset or you can't take her call again because every time you talk to her, you're upset. Or even for days later, you, you're just taking all of her junk. You can't do that. So I had to learn how to protect myself and protect my own energy. I really, and if I have I might have to cut a call short or a coffee date because I do meet in my area people that live locally. I might have to cut that coffee date short. I might have to just for me, just to make sure I'm safe. That's right. That's so good. And uh, you're listening to Melinda Kunst, and we're talking about Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And both of us have gone through and are in the forever healing process of the residual trauma that crops up in the way of triggers. Triggers. So why don't you tell our listeners what a trigger is? Because, you know, like my husband doesn't even know what a trigger is. Oh, well, you know what? These are things that can bubble up uh, a variety of things. For somebody, it could be somebody yelling. It might be a sound, uh, a song, a simple song can be triggering, perhaps a scent. It could be a perfume, a cologne. It could be that you are just with a particular person from your past and that brings up old memories. It could be a food. It's just something that within you that brings up those old memories. It, and you might not even realize this. I had a lot of triggers that I had no idea. The song would play and it was my son and I were estranged, my older son and I. We had an estrangement for about 10 plus years. And I remember being working as a receptionist in a law office. A song came on by Green Day. It's a musical group that he used to listen to and one he listened to regularly. I started crying all of a sudden. I'm helping somebody at the front desk and all of a sudden I just started crying. It's like, why am I crying? And I had to apologize and excuse myself. It wasn't until I had calmed down to realize it was that song. Yeah. It was that song by that group that he loved to listen to. And that just, it just blew me away. I didn't realize that something like a song would really get me that upset. 
But of course, where we have those bad triggers, we can have good triggers. I was able to turn that song into a good memory of him later on. It didn't happen right away. It's like, oh, I remember my sweet boy. You know, he used to love that song. So you're able to even ascent. I can remember the smell, and I'm sure you have maybe a grandparent or somebody that used to wear a special cologne or perfume. You could think of happy memories too. So that was another way for me to start turning it around. I couldn't use Febreze for the longest time. That was very triggering for me. That was something my ex used to love for, used to love. And I would have to use that religiously. I, I was triggered by the smell of Febreze. So I did big steps. And a few years ago, I actually used Febreze after 15 years of not I was able to use Febreze. So working through my triggers has been very healing as well. Once you figure out exactly what it is, what memory, what's that memory from, that's been very healing too. And learning how to not live in that trigger, not live in that moment when it happens, that bad memory, that has been a struggle, but very good for me. It really has been. So I can talk to you about my past. Like even now, I could talk to you about certain episodes, different things that might have happened, but I'm not living in that right now. With many victims and survivors, sometimes they're still living in that moment that they have a hard time moving on. And it's getting to that point where you can, okay, this happened. It was 10 years ago. Okay, it happened. I could tell somebody like Mr. Awesome. And then it's gone the rest of the day. Okay, it's gone. I might still go and watch something funny. I might still go out and ground myself, but I'm not living in that moment. And again, with triggers, you do have to do something good for yourself, especially if it's a bad one. Oh, that's good. That's really good. So thank you for that explanation. Now, perhaps if somebody that's listening right now and they are really thinking about leaving their relationship because they know that they know that they know that this is not going to get any better. And especially if they are in a certain faith where divorce is frowned upon, um, how does somebody get to the point where they realize it's time to leave? I mean, can you even answer that question? Because I know it's a very individual decision. Yeah, that's a loaded question. And it's different for everybody. You have to, I think at some point, hit rock bottom. And what that looks like for me was different than maybe for you and for so many others. There's different uh, circumstances. Is there housing? Do they feel comfortable going to a shelter? Can you tell somebody? Even just the act of telling and sharing your story with somebody is very powerful. They can also give you a little bit of clarity. Somebody not inside the situation, well, what I should do. You know, they can't tell you, okay, you need to leave now, or they shouldn't, because that's a personal decision. It really is. And um, I, if I had a dollar for every time someone mentioned that to me when I was in that moment, you know, I'd have at least 20 bucks, but, you know, I'd have, I'd have something. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's very personal. But if you're thinking about it, I want you to do me a favor. Think about the reasons first. Is this something that, and I'm not making excuses, is it substance related? Is it someone that's drinking, using meth or something? Do you think they can get help or do they seem like they want to get help? Is your relationship worth saving? Is this something that you think that you want to really and truly live the next six months or a year, 10 years, 20 years? in this same relationship? Do you want it to be like this? So these are questions you need to ask yourself. Uh, 
waiting until the kids are, let's say, 18 or in college, that's not always a good idea, especially if it's turning volatile. I did bargain with God like this. I go, okay, well, I'll stay until I'm, you know, the kids are 18. That was a long time. 18 is a long time. It really is. And I couldn't see myself doing that. I couldn't see, I didn't think I was going to make 40. Honestly, I really did not believe I was going to make the age of 40. At the the way things were going in that relationship, it was getting so violent. Um, I slept with a knife underneath my bed, right between the uh, the bed there, uh, and and sometimes under my pillow. I just didn't know what he was going to do. So it's a very personal decision. If you're going to leave, please start. I, I actually message me. I can give you some ideas regarding paperwork you need to get together. Seek legal counsel to find out what your rights are to your personal property. Uh, find out if you have a place to go, getting maybe a job lined up. These are things you need to think about. And seriously, real time, when you leave out of there, the first 72 hours of leaving an abusive relationship are the most volatile. Depending, of course, on is this person violent already? Uh, so you might want to think about that as well. I don't want that to scare you, but I don't want to sugarcoat it and say that once you leave the door that everything's rainbow and glitter and kittens. No, it can be sometimes almost worse. And you might even wish, maybe I shouldn't have left. It, I know what to expect because leaving is scary. You don't know what to expect. The outside world was very scary to me, but... You don't know what to expect. What is this person going to do? Is he or she going to get worse after you leave? But you don't know. You don't know. But these are important questions to ask. Make sure you have a good support system around you. A good yeah. tribe is, is wonderful and invaluable to have somebody that you could talk to, that you feel safe to going to, that can maybe you can couch surf for a little while. But these are things you need to consider. Again, I'm just being honest. Yeah, that's good. Now, you mentioned that people can message you. How would they do that? Oh, sure. They can find me on Facebook. I did drop my profile down okay. in the comment section. Okay. Yes, and I do have a, a page, Hope When There Was None. They can go to Hope When There Was None, too, and message me there. Okay, good. All right, so some people are usually women, and I can describe one of my horrible relationships, my first boyfriend, uh, he was, like you said, had charisma and uh, very desirable. I mean, I was getting into the rock and roll scene. So he had at that time in the, what was it, the 70s, he had the shag haircut. He kind of <laughs> reminded me of David Cassidy. And he was just, you know, like everybody seemed like he, everybody wanted him. It seemed like every girl I knew. I had him, but he was so lovely at first, and this seven-year relationship, so he started physically abusing me. But see, I was already emotionally hooked that at that time. And maybe there's somebody listening that grew up with abusive parents or a parent. They're used to being hit, so it, it feels normal to be right. abused. This is the, the term familiar. It feels familiar, even though it's not normal, it's familiar to get smacked around because that's the way you were brought up. So this right. guy smacks you around and it, and um, after seven years of being smacked around, uh, I got a lot a more self-esteem when I went to music school and realized I was worth more than I thought. And 
developed the courage when I hit the wall, like you said, rock bottom. I just said, you know what? I don't need this anymore. I don't need you. I, I'm, I'm leaving you. I want you to get out of my life. And I want to tell you that took a lot of courage because my mother was against my decision. <gasps> she did not know that he was abusing me. I would come home with bruises all over my forearms from him grabbing me. And mm. I just told my mother it was my anemia and she believed me, you know, that. Okay. So anyway, the point of what I'm trying to say is somebody out there, maybe, maybe even your own mother or whoever that you, you trust in, you want them to be on your side to comfort you. And they say, don't leave the guy. And so, he calls and he said he's going to kill himself if I don't take him back. I'm some. I just said, look, goodbye. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. I'm done. And that was the beginning of my healing process. And it, it, like you said, it's a lifetime thing. And I didn't want to date for a long time after that because I didn't trust my own choices as far as dating goes. You got to spend time to be with yourself and find out why you picked that guy and why you thought it was okay to be beat up. I guess I thought, you know, that back in the seventies, if you weren't dating by the time you were 16, there used to be this term called old maid. <laughs> yes. I was afraid of being an old maid. So I ended up dating this loser because I thought that was better than being an old maid. Now, how ridiculous is that? So if it, if you're listening and you don't have a boyfriend or a husband, don't be in a hurry. It just means that God is still working on you and or him. And I mean, I didn't get married till I was 62 again. So uh, I waited a long time. And sometimes I, I think I was, I like being single, but you know, you have to make compromises in all relationships. Anyway. So uh, we thank you for telling people they can contact you. If there's somebody out there that's really at the bottom and mm -hmm. they're going to do something stupid because they don't have any counsel, thank you for making yourself available. Oh, yes, to anybody. And you know what? Let me interject there. You said something very important about it's okay to be alone. And I find when I chat with some ladies that are maybe a week or two or a month or two out of that relationship, they're already looking for the next person. Please don't. Like you said, work on yourself. Figure out why you pick that guy. There's a reason for it. Is it from your past? Or maybe somebody like your mom saying, why are you breaking up with this person? Don't stay because someone's telling you. Family member, don't stay. No, no. If you know, trust your gut. But yes, work on yourself. I had to do a lot of self-care and self-love because I didn't like me. I didn't like my own company. I really didn't like the ladies staring back at me, but I knew I needed to start doing that work. I mean, after I left my ex, that first few weeks, I didn't shower. I didn't shave my legs. You know, it got really jungly down in certain areas. I, I, I had to start looking for me and looking out for me, really yeah. and truly. I had to start figuring out, well, what does Melinda want? 
Right. What do I want with my life? And I wanted to start loving that person that was looking back in the mirror and start enjoying my own company. I hey, I'm a blast. Even by myself, I have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A kindred spirit you are. It's <laughs> yes. so wonderful to be set free, free indeed. It is. And uh, it, is. it takes a lot of courage and sometimes even your best friends don't understand. Uh, they don't have no. healthy boundaries. And like maybe four years later, I decided to start dating again. And my best friend insisted I date this guy. And I was really shaky because I was still going through counseling, you know, and I but I mean, she was a postmaster. And uh, I, tr I figured because of her credibility and her job, I guess she knows who I am better than I do, I thought. And mm -hmm. she hooked me up with this guy. And uh, by the time, same thing, by the time I figured out he, he was a flaming alcoholic, I was emotionally sucked in. Oh, and the same thing, I had to go through the same trauma again of telling him to leave because he just wasn't worth breathing around him. And he did the same thing. He was going to kill himself if I didn't take him back. And I'm like, I'm why is this happening again? And it's because I didn't know who I was. I seriously did not. And I'm at this time in my I'm in my thirties and I still don't know who I am. How can that be possible? But it is. It is it possible. Is. It really it is. is. So yes. you know, like I just think it's great that you have all of these books on Amazon. I mean mm. You need to check out her books. Why don't you tell us about a few of them and which ones apply to this? Oh, sure. Discussion? Oh, sure. No problem. Thank you for mentioning that. Uh, I did write my story. It's called Call Me Master. And that was from my childhood abuse on up to my divorce of my abuser. And uh, I was blogging for the longest time before I started going on video. And so my my family is Mr. Awesome says, you know what, you've got enough there for a book. Why don't you write a book? And I did. I kind of pussyfooted around with it because it was very still very raw and still very um, hurtful for me. I didn't want to look a lot, <laughs> a lot back at that, the, those circumstances that passed, but I'm glad I did. And so I did go ahead and publish my story. It was very big for me. And then I had a lot of people saying, OK, well, you got that book what was going on during this other party you're crazy there and afterwards how did you meet mr awesome so i do rising from the ashes do have a second bush book rising from the ashes and um my other one is i love antiques so i've got like a beginner's guide for antiques and i have journals that are blank out there and sketchbooks so they're all on amazon i'll have to put that down below for you okay. so if anybody wants to check those out Yes, yes, for those yes. listening in the chat, if you have questions for Melinda, please post them and we'll read them online here as we speak live. And so, okay, so we get to a point where we make the decision to heal thyself and we yes. find a godly counsel or uh, somebody that you can trust. Because remember, just because they have a nice job doesn't mean they have it all together. <laughs> And so you start the journey of healing and it's a, it's a lifelong journey and along comes the hula hoop. What made you first pick up your hula hoop? <laughs> it 
oh, let me go back a little bit. Let me go back when you mentioned about whoever's in that job. I went to my then pastor and told him, I sought counsel with my pastor to ask, hey, and tell him what was going on. And I'm thinking about leaving my, my husband, my then husband. And his words to me was, well, Melinda, you know what the Bible says about abuse. Or not about abuse, excuse me, about divorce. Yes. That kind of stopped me in my tracks. And he's like, we'll pray for you. So I sort of was disenchanted with my faith for a little while. I stepped away from my church for a little while. And then eventually I left that church because I didn't think that was very wise counsel. I don't think that um, any of the powers that be want you to be abused. Not at all. Agreed. Not at all. So, yes. So I just wanted to interject that. So thank you for mentioning that. But this hoop, this sacred circle that I picked up, oh my gosh, I found so much freedom in that. There's a lot of silliness. There's a lot of furniture that gets knocked around. There's a lot of my family that gets bumped. <laughs> Animals, you know, even I got chickens. So they run away when they see oh, the hoop come out. Chickens. I love pet chickens. Do you have a pet chicken? Yeah, well, we have 26. So oh. I don't have one. <laughs> and if we have ducks. If I known that, I would have had you put one on your lap. So you could <laughs> Well, that would mean I'd have to chase them, and I'm not ready for cardio right now. <laughs> okay, so you, you saw this uh, woman in the sacred circle, uh, Hedaya Barbell. How did you come upon her? Um, a friend of mine, my beautiful friend, who's another survivor, her name is Brianne Coleman. Uh, she invited me. She's like, I'm uh, going to do this online retreat. There's going to be, I think, six to eight speakers. I want to gift this to you. Do you have time this afternoon to watch? It's like, oh, well, okay. She said, it's a goddess thing. It's like, well, I'm not into the goddess thing. She was, I know what your beliefs are, but I think you'll get some value out of it. Like, okay. So I watched saw at least four or five other presenters and then she came on my mind was blown i see this graceful woman just she blew my mind and it's like oh, i have one i have a hula hoop i have to go get it out of the closet <laughs> and then from then on i was hooked i mean i, I think i can count probably on um, there's probably been about a week where I haven't hooped because of I am a Lyme warrior too, chronic illness warrior. So there's been a few times where I haven't felt good, but it's been going on almost three months now and I love it. I do. I love it. And hopefully I can get my certification. Maybe in January I can go ahead and, and actually take a course to get certified to teach because I love it. And unfortunately, anybody that now talks with me and comes into the house, I give them a hoop. It's like oh. you have to try this. <laughs> yes, it's so fun. The child within still likes to play. Yes. It is, and I do have people that uh, ladies that come to the home, our house, just to see counsel. We talk. I coach, and so now it's like you have to try this hoop. You know, for one, when you're out of that violent situation, no matter what abusive situation, it's nice to have a distraction, whether you're exercising, reading a book, digging into hobbies, just finding who you are again. And I noticed the hoop, I'm giving my full concentration. There's nothing else in the world going on. Things can be happening around me, but having that nice diversion, being safe within my, my sacred circle has been just 
it's been wonderful. I've been able to find some harmony in there. I can't wait to do it. So for whoever's watching, find out what that is for you. Maybe it's not a hula hoop. Maybe it's bike riding. But find out what that is for you, what gives you that glory and that, that happiness that you can't wait to go and do. And do it, really. And it's very healing and it's beautiful and it's nice to safely funnel your energy into it. I'm not saying like if you do cardio, you're doing three or four hours of cardio. Just don't push yourself. But do within reason. Take a half hour an hour or something just to do what you love absolutely and i will tell you that uh, the university of miami did a study where people were ho hooping or doing a side-to-side -side hooping motion for mm -hmm. two minutes two minutes and they discovered in this uh testing that two minutes of side-to-side -side motion will give you two hours of stress relief and awesome yeah, so lately I've been dealing with some health issues and I get anxious about not feeling well. It's like, what what's going on here? You know, I mean, I didn't have all these health problems when I was younger. So sometimes I get really anxious and I'm taking antidepressants now, which is new. I, and mm -hmm. But I still get sometimes this feeling like I'm suffocating. So I'll get my hula hoop and waist hoop for a couple, two, three minutes, and I feel like my whole inside's quiet. And that's just remarkable. It's a remarkable tool to keep your calm. Yes. <laughs> it really yes. Is. So you mentioned coaching. What is an RFTA coach? Oh, well, it's Rising from the Ashes. That's my, my book that I, the second one. And yeah, so it's Rising from the Ashes, and I do coaching, uh, mentoring women and uh you know even if it's not about abuse maybe they need business coaching i do that too okay i'm well rounded right. i'm curious you've mentioned energy a few times and i'm really curious about energy for healing do you know anything about energy healing what is that a little bit i'm also i do reflexology too but energy work there's energy all around us and i the body keeps score by the way so all that trauma you might have experienced before in your past our body kind of stores that within it we can't why is that little dog barking sorry, <laughs> sorry. Get on. Got a little dog he doesn't always bark but he is he's barking now i don't have a chicken but i i have a little dog <laughs> Mr. Buttons. Mr. Buttons. Hey, Mr. Buttons. Mr. Buttons. <laughs> He's usually very quiet. <laughs> but there's there's energy all around us and we can um I, I guess I can people can think of it more like Reiki, the energy work that I do, but it's not for what I do. Um, but yes, you can energetically help somebody lift their spirits. Remember zipping up your coat to protect yourself some, from somebody's negative energy, just brushing off your arm, your face, your head, that sort of thing to get rid of. Maybe you feel some kind of residual ickiness. When someone comes in the room, okay, let's say you're in, you're at the store, you go into another aisle and you just have this, this thing inside your, your stomach that's saying, oh, I don't like that person, okay? Our energy actually goes out 30 feet around us so that's a lot that's a lot 30 feet okay so when those kids especially kids and animals they're so in tune with that energy but it's it's out there there's there's a lot to it there's a big science about it and i just love sharing with my ladies 
the different things that they can do in order to protect their energy because it is a sacred energy. We want to protect it as much as we can. Yes, I agree. And one of the things when you're in the healing process in a safe place to unfold from all of the wreckage of trauma is that it seems like, you know, life is a series of tests if going around the mountain. <laughs> so it seems like certain certain people are attracted to certain others. And it seems like I seem to attract boundary violators. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, how does that happen? You know, like, why? Why do the wrong people come to us sometimes? Is that something that I still have? Am I? Is my energy? And the, what they do is they start unloading on me with all of their tales of woe, and I'm like, oh man, what? I mean, for a, for a while, I would say, you know, like my ears are not trash cans, people. You know? And oh, they get so insulted, and so I, I have found this saying to help myself. Because sometimes when you say no to protect yourself, you, you start feeling guilty or selfish or whatever. But So here's my quote of the week. Remember when you say no to others and things you don't want, you are saying yes to something better, yourself. I like that. Wow. What about this negative energy, these people that like unload on you? What, how, how do you establish your boundaries kindly and still keep the relationship? That's not a relationship I want. I don't want that kind of person. No, honestly, having, you know, keeping your own boundaries. If this person and you know they're like this, even if it's for a season, you need to distract yourself, you know, detach yourself from that person. Like I said, even yeah. if it's just for a season, you know what? And just say, oh, you know, it's the, my phone's ringing. <laughs> I have to go. My phone's ringing. <laughs> I don't know. Some some way just to get yourself out of the situation politely, yeah, just yeah. to excuse yourself from the situation. Yeah. Or maybe we could talk another time. Something something polite, just yes, to get away. Polite. If you if in your mind you know and you're feeling this way, then that's not a person you. That's not your person. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for saying that and being honest because you know sometimes I think. You know, you, you, I'm too picky about who I want to spend time with. But I don't, as a musician, I don't have a lot of free time, and I want to be around people that are inspiring, exactly, and, and want to work on their stuff and want to say positive affirmations and stop going around the hamster wheel and wearing a groove in your record about things that happened mm -hmm. twenty five thousand years ago. I'm like, ah, get off! <laughs> away from me <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's your drama mama or your drama papa yeah you don't need that they're still in that victim mentality you don't need that you really exactly. don't you have you have to protect yourself you do and it's not selfish you're not being selfish it's not rude it isn't so but if that again trust your gut girl you were just saying you need to trust your gut and if that's what your guts are saying no, that's it. And Run I'm the other way. You, let me get on my soapbox here just a second. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm 66. And so this is a new kind of uh, negative energy issue where people like uh, uh, older senior citizens 
they start talking about their boatload of medications. And I'm like, I, I'm in the trap myself. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm taking this. And oh, my God, I'm taking. And it's just you, to me, it's like you're digging a hole. Yeah, it really. Seriously, I know medicine is is necessary. I, you know, never took medicine until I, I hit 65. Uh, and all, now all of a sudden, oh my God, here comes the high blood pressure and here comes the anxiety and here comes the colonoscopy and here comes the, I'm like, ah, <laughs> where are these people my age that just want to have a good time? You know, I'm not saying abusive and go out and get drunk and forget everything, but uh, just healthy people that want to open up and be safe in a group setting of like godly yoga or prayers or, you know, are there people out there like that? Do you know anybody like that? I think there are people out there. There are. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm like that. I'm, well, I don't do medication if I don't have to. And the reason why is I had, um, first of all, I was on an antidepressant and that made me more suicidal. I'm not saying if you're on medication right now, you do what's right for you. But for me, I needed to find something a little more holistic, more natural in order to battle my anxiety, the panic attacks, to battle my self-esteem. So I looked to what I could grow in my backyard. So I grow chamomile to help me sleep. I grow the lemon balm to help me. I grow whatever I can, whatever herbs that I can and vegetables and fruits to help me, to help nourish my spirit and my body. I just, I, the doctors, when, especially when I was going through my Lyme and when my body decided to be challenged by chronic fatigue and everything else that come, came with it, I he would give me uh, his prescription pad was out. He's like, well, here's one for this. Oh, there's going to be side effects. Let me give you another one for this. Oh, and you need this. And pretty soon I was walking out of the doctor's five or six prescriptions. It's like, this is ridiculous. This is crazy. There's got to be another way for me to do this. So I've done most of my healing, grounding, finding crystals, finding exercise, finding uh, just finding, again, like you mentioned, finding my somebody to support me, a friend or family, even just talking, you know, hey, girl, if you want to just go on a private call, me and you just talk, we could be friends. Okay. I know if I live closer to you, we'd be soul sisters. We'd be besties. But to find that person, you know, that you just need, there are ladies I just talk with once a month because we need to unload and that's okay. You'll find those people, those people that are, are your person they'll start gravitating you once you start changing that mindset, once you start, you know, for anybody, I'm not just directing this at you. Right. Once you start changing, making that positive change for you, for yourself, once I started following other people that were doing the things that I wanted in my life, yes. you know, like B, I love B's group. Her hula group is amazing. Once I started following those people yourself, then you attract other people too. Right. And you just said the words. You just said that and put that out to the universe there. So I'm yeah. sure you're going to get others that are going to now say, hey, I'll be your soul sister. Yes. I'll be that person for you. Yes. Oh, uh, yes. Welcome. I'll put out the welcome mat for whoever that yes. are. I think yes. that our friend in Budapest is also one of those ladies that uh, I think so affirming. too. Yes. She's very, very soul sister i could feel it in the interview just like i feel it with you so you're a podcaster i just discovered that you're on anchor as so am I. I. Yes, yes this is good 
And yes. uh, also, FYI, I was healed from uh, chronic Lyme disease at a prayer service. Awesome. In, in 2016, I think it was. Yeah, so I can relate to what you're saying. I was, uh, the traditional medicine couldn't help me because I had mm -hmm. the, a, a strange strain of Lyme and they had me on meclizine because I had vertigo up the yin yang. Ooh. Uh, yeah, it was horrible. So I found a holistic doctor, uh, Kevin Connors, and uh, I had to do a GoFundMe to get pay for the medicine. It was, uh, I mean, you know, naturopathic medicine. But then uh, I cried out to God at a, a prayer service because I said, you know, this is after I, I retired from high school teaching. I'm like, is this how I end up with Lyme disease after all of my service? I mean, I really gave God an earful. And cry, crying, you know, you get crying in front of everybody. They're like, what's wrong with this person? You know, she comes into praise and worship and like she's over there bawling. I'm like, oh, wounded. And when I left there, I was like a new person. I'm like, and it was right after that I got married. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, that's late. Never too late. No. God is still a no. healer. He's the same yesterday. He is. Ever. And I'm, I'm is. still calling on him for healing as we speak. So, Lord, mm -hmm. heal Me us. too. Yes, heal us, Lord. You are a healer. My ear. Yes, he is. All From right. the top of our head to the soles of our feet. And I have to laugh because I did the same thing. I didn't realize I had been, I had been infected with, exposed to Lyme many years before. I didn't know that. So that explained a lot of the symptoms. But afterwards, I was re-exposed two other times. And I'm the oddball. I was exposed by two spiders, different times, different parts of, the, of Indiana, and a mosquito. So I'm a little bit not normal. Usually people associate Lyme disease with ticks. And so no, I was exposed by something different, but I was very angry with God because it's like, you know what? I left this bozo. I'm, I'm having a, a, a very blessed life. And now this, really? I was very mad. Exactly. So exactly. I get that. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm trying to put this comment on the screen to share. Uh, I, do I see that? Say, she says, I've been healed from colitis, which is a sister disease of Crohn's, was on anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. medication for four years until I healed myself. Six wow. years. <laughs> Praise God. Wow. Praise awesome. God. All right. So so that tell us, awesome. what is God's breath farm on Facebook? God's breath farm. <laughs> Well, we found our forever home. We actually, my um, my family and I were going to go on a school bus that we were in the process of converting into an RV. We were going to do some sort of ministry, help out around the U.S. And uh, we were giving away possessions in order to do so. And then uh, we were going to find our forever home while we're out on the road. Well, we found our forever home. That was about 15 minutes from where we were renting. <laughs> so we still have the bus. But when we moved here, it's we're kind of on top of a little bit of a hill. And I kid you not, it is so super windy here. Terry had mentioned, he's like, my goodness, it's like the breath of God here. And I said, God's breath. And he said, yeah, God's breath farm. That's what we're going to call it. That's how we got the name. Well, that's cool. Okay, so let's uh, wrap this up in closing. Um, what else would you like people to know about you? 
Uh, again, I'm here if you need to talk. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a licensed therapist at all. I'm not an attorney, but I am happy to listen to you. I'm really happy just to give you shoulders if you need it. If you're in the Northwest Indiana or maybe Southeast Illinois, meet for coffee. But I'm, okay. I'm happy to listen. And uh, tell them again how to get in touch with you. Oh, sure. Uh, friend me on Facebook, Melinda Kunst. Or look for me on IG. I'm sharing my hula hoop experience right now on IG. Um, Hope When There Was None is my page. And I did put down the link on my Amazon, too, where you can find my books. Hope When There Is None. So what do they do? Hope When There Was None. Well, actually, you can go on Facebook for Hope When There Was None. Okay. I did put that in the comments, too. Okay, good. All right. Now, you're... uh, have you done that retreat for women who are victims, survivors of abuse and emotional trauma? I've done my own private retreat. We had our very first one last year and it was a lot of fun. It really was. It was a lot of fun. Okay. Very cool. All right. So I don't see any more questions in the chat and uh, this will be archived on my YouTube channel. And uh, let's see. Also, I want to ask you one more question about this uh, campaign, seeing that we're talking about domestic violence abuse. This, I've not seen this before. You can paint your ring finger purple, the nail, to show the world your vow to help spread awareness about domestic abuse. Yeah, what, Uh, where did this come from? I've never seen this before. And, and you know what? I come across just the darndest things to spread awareness. And I happened across it, I think it was in 2016. You could do the hashtag put a nail in it, but it's just to share awareness. And, uh, you know, you put that purple on your ring finger there. And I think it's a wonderful way to, to be able to say, hey, I, but of course, spreading it to I'm happy to listen. I'm happy to share my story, that sort of thing. Yeah, I thought okay. it was the neatest thing. Yeah, I saw I'm like purple. I know the pink is for breast cancer. So uh, is it any color purple or is it light purple or dark purple? It's any, whatever you got in your your makeup thing for for purple for domestic violence. I usually wear this, um, yeah, just as a symbol. I'll have purple. Great. All right. Well, you know, it's been a real joy to meet you, Melinda. You're a soul sister for sure. And thank I you. want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show. And this was fun. Uh, yes, uh, and I I'm not going to continue the Hula Hoop channel after I have a guest uh, on the 17th. That'll be my last show for anybody listening. Tune in and give Sheila Sumrell some re- some support. But this is just kind of like I'm I'm starting to put my music in the back seat, and it can't be that way for me because I love to do music and I'd really love to be able to make a living at what I love to do. Right. (laughs) I've waited my whole life to be a musician and voila, here it is. So I'll still have this broadcast. I don't know what it'll be called, but it'll still be here anyway. But I'm so glad you're here. People will be able to find you on YouTube and uh, we'll chat a little bit when we go offline. So thank you everybody for being here on the Hula Hoop channel. And I want to say goodbye for now and hope to see you again on October 17th for our last show. Pick up your hoop.